0: The scene where the Dothraki's sword fires go out one by one at a distance may have been the best scene of the entire episode. Hashtag GOT. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today we're going through our season review series looking at the Cleveland Cavaliers' For fantasy basketball, for what happened in the 18-19 season and what could potentially be going on in the season ahead. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it, to it. That is a fantastic idea. The Cavs, of course, had one of the worst records in the NBA, finishing the year 1963, tied for the second worst record in the NBA, along with the Phoenix Suns. They have a 14% chance of getting the number one pick, uh, the same as the Knicks and the same as the Suns. But of course, finding themselves in that number two spot means the lowest that they can fall down is number six, whereas the Suns can fall down to number seven based on the way that that uh, coin flip uh, went in that uh, in that area. So the Cavs sitting in there with the uh the, the, the hot equal highest odds along with the Knicks and with the Phoenix Suns. Um, other draft picks coming up for Cleveland, they do have pick twenty six from Houston as part of the. Um, Part of the trade they made to and they, where they acquired Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris in that deal. Um, do they have any other, do they have a second round pick? Uh, no, their second round pick has gone to the Philadelphia 76ers pick number 33. So the Cavs just with the two first round selections coming up. Now, unlike the team we did yesterday, the New York Knicks, the Cavs don't have any massive free agent uh, aspirations for this offseason because they are currently over the cap. Their guaranteed salary for next season at this point is $123 million, not including cap holds for Marquise Chris, uh, David Noaba, Source Castillo, Nick Stauskas, and uh J.R. Smith the Plumber, his uh his non-guarantee. Smith's deal is for fifteen and a half million dollars for this season, but only about four million of that is guaranteed. So you would imagine, considering that Smith didn't play really at all this season and wasn't even with the team, that they will waive him and save themselves on that uh On that non-guaranteed portion of his salary, which amounts to about almost almost $12 million there. But yeah, there's no real free agency uh, aspirations on this team. The only free agents on this team are Chris and Stauskas, who are both unrestricted free agents. And then David Nwaba as a restricted free agent. Channing Frye also a free agent, but he is retiring. So his money is going to come off the books. His cap hold will come off the books there as well. But otherwise, the rest of their team remains intact heading into this season. That's not necessarily a good thing because this team finished 19-63, and 63, as I said, equal second worst in the NBA. Uh, they were the 30th ranked defense, 25th ranked offense. They played with the 29th fastest pace. Really nothing all that exciting for this team throughout the season. I want to find one thing that we can look at as a positive on this squad. They fouled. You know, They didn't foul very much. They didn't turn the ball over very much. That's a positive. They shot their free throw as well. Well, also, uh, and they were able to uh, you know, keep keep control of the ball, I think, which is a, an important part for a, a young team, but a lot of their other numbers were pretty low. 29th in assists, 30th in blocks, 28th in steals, 28th in defensive rebounding. Like That's not ideal. They also shot the three okay, 36% from deep. So not too bad there, but overall their field goal percentage wasn't, uh, wasn't the greatest. They were 29th in effective field goal percentage. The Knicks were last. So that just goes to show if you can't make your shots, it does make it hard to be a good team. Not that that's definitive proof, of course, but those, uh, the 30th, uh, 30th team had the 30th best effective field goal percentage. The 29th had the 29th. Let's see how that uh, pans out as we go through the other squads in the NBA. Let's start going through these guys on a player-by-player basis now that we've given a little bit of an outline for their offseason. And and looking at this squad, it is hard to see, well, they're not going to be making changes in terms of free agency, but getting rid of Smith out of this deal, I I think they'd love to be able to move on from someone like Brandon Knight, who's owed $15.5 million for this season. They've got Kevin Love still around, who's got another four years left at an exorbitant $120 million. I don't think they're going to find a taker for Love, but who knows? How that works out, they've got a $10.5 million expiring contract for the Muppet John Henson, a $13.5 million expiring contract for Jordy Clarkson. So there is uh, quite a few big salaries here, $9.5 million expiring for Matty Della Vadova um, and $18.5 million for Tristan Thompson. So all of their big salaries, except for Kevin Love, are pretty much going to come off the books. After the 1920 season. So it does give them a little bit of ability to play around with those expiring deals of Thompson, of Smith. If he, if they don't waive him, of Knight, of Clarkson, of Henson, of Dallavadova, none of those guys who are really key players on this team at all. The key players, of course, love. Uh, you've got Osman, you've got Nansen, you've got the Padawan Colin Sexton as they their, I guess, core guys. Not that that's a, a great core group that you should be super excited about. But that is the basis of that. So their free agency space opens up for the summer of 2020. Not that there are a huge amount of good free agents there, but it does give them a little bit of ammunition in terms of you know, potential trading of uh, expiring contracts. Not that they're necessarily in the situation to take full advantage of that. Let's talk about their fantasy production for this, uh, for this season that just did go past. The number one ranked player on this team was Larry Nance Jr. He was ranked 64th over the course of the season. If I'm going to talk Nance, it does mean I have to talk about another Larry, and that's Larry Drew, the guy who was the coach the majority of this season, who won't be back next year. Now, uh, Drew showed some definite uh, dislike of Nance and an inability to at least try and develop one of their better young players or one of the guys who have actually on the roster long term. Um, yeah, limiting his minutes behind Tristan Thompson, playing him uh, off the bench at power Ford, even when Kevin Love was out so Devin Nwaba could start. Just a lot of nonsense stuff with Nance. Now, at the end of the year, his minutes did start to peak and he ended up coming in for the year under 27 minutes a night. And as you can see, at the rank of 64, he is a useful fantasy guy. Nine and a half points, eight rebounds, over three assists. That came out of nowhere for Nance, that passing ability. His ability to get you steals, uh, with a decent field goal percentage, adding in rebounds and assists is what makes him an interesting fantasy prospect. 52% from the field is not ideal. 72 from the line also not fantastic. Yeah, 34% from three, but not really hitting that many. That's impressive. But if we go to see what he did when Nance, or not Nance, when Drew finally gave him a larger role, over the last, um, 25 games, he played 29 and a half minutes. He was the 52nd ranked player, averaged 10 and a half and 9 and a half with three and a half assists. I, I ...as a decent um, facsimile of what maybe he can bring moving forward. Now, the new coach coming in, all the whispers from Cleveland is they're going to be looking for a developmental coach. Now, Nance isn't young, but he's also not old. He is 26 years of age. Um, will they prioritize him and Kevin Love in that front court with Zizic instead of using Tristan Thompson, who... He's only actually two years older than Nance, but it feels like he's significantly older in terms of the way that his game goes in the NBA. Will there be extra um, focus put on getting Nance into those situations to see what he can do? I would imagine yes. Again, considering they did sign. So- in the offseason, which might have been a foolish one, but he is signed for for another four years. um, Well, his four-year extension kicks in next year for about $40 million. So he is on on the books there, and is one of only uh, two players who are on the books in that 2021 season, him and Kevin Love. Uh, Of course, there is guys like uh, Zizit and Sexton who do have rookie options who will likely be on the roster at that point as well. So Nance, uh, it is so much going to come down to what the new coach wants to do and how they want to use him. But given those factors, given the front office investing in him, given the front office looking for a younger developmental type coach, I think we can expect a couple of top 70 years coming up from Nance. Probably, you know, maybe top 70 is actually too low probably a couple of top 60, top 55 type years, get him in at 29 minutes a game, be that top 50, maybe top 45 type of a player for the next couple of seasons. And then you'll see his value start to fade away. But he is still a, a, a solid option uh, from for a fantasy point of view. He was uh, one of the shining lights in terms of advanced stats, a plus .93 in terms of PIPM, led the team in wins, added pretty comfortably with Jordan uh, Clarkson coming in second in that area, had a plus 2.1 on court, so a, a positive factor with this team when he was able to play, just that the misuse, I guess, really did hold him back. The next guy who you we thought you could come in, and I thought he could be a third-round player this year, that was Kevin Love, only the 65th-ranked player over the course of the season. Injuries obviously killed him just 22 games this year with that foot problem, and because he was coming back from the injury, only ended up playing 27 minutes a night. His per-36 numbers aren't uh dreadfully different to what he had done in the past twenty two and a half and fourteen last season twenty two and a half and twelve um his assists rose without leBron there his rebound rate rose without leBron nobody's surprised about that also shouldn't be surprised that his efficiency dropped completely off thirty nine percent from the field but he got to the line more and he hit his free throws at a comparable rate while hitting still thirty six percent of his threes not the 41 he hit the year before so a lot of things which were relatively predictable. Didn't go back to being Minnesota Kevin Love, who was a 26-and-12 per 36 player. He went to be a 22-and-14 guy, but the assists that creeping back up of the assists Did help his value, and I do think if he wasn't injured, he would have been easily a top 40 player, top 30, top 35 sort of a guy. Um, the minutes would have been 32, 33 a night, and we wouldn't have been dealing with a guy playing only 22 games. So, the injuries are something we do have to really worry about with love. 22 games this year, 59 last year, 60 the year before, but the three years prior to that, 77, 75, and 77. So, he does have an ability to be healthy. It's just the last three years have sort of killed us with that. Now, a lot of people will be marking Kevin Love on a do-not-draft list, and if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that, for to me, a do-not-draft list doesn't exist. You cannot, especially at this point in the season, tell me that you're not drafting this player because if Kevin Love's ADP comes in at number 60, then I will draft him on every single one of my teams because if he stays healthy, much like Danilo Gallinari this season, much like Tyreek Evans the year before, if they stay healthy, they smash that number and they do it really, really comfortably and it's worth taking the risk at that spot. So if everyone in your leagues, now I'm never drafting love and he's falling, he's falling, he's there at 80, well, then you would be absolutely negligent in your job as a fantasy manager to ignore that potential. Because again, the production's still there. It's just if he can have a year where he doesn't get hurt, which is... At, you know, at this point, it's not looking great uh, as he gets older and he continues to have these lower body issues, back issues. And you know, I talk about guys are injury prone until they're not and the guys are iron men until they're not. There is, yeah, That's a broad statement and it's always worth m- monitoring. But when you've got a guy like Love who's going to be 31 years of age next season and he's had a history of back issues and knee injuries which continue to happen, then you go, well, the likelihood of that continuing to happen is elevated and it is, he is probably going to get hurt. So you're not going to take that risk of him going, uh, in that second or third round, uh, which I made a mistake in drafting him this year. I thought that he would be able to stay healthy because it was, um, it was basically two years of poor health with the back and I thought he was fine with that. They were going to lean on him a lot. Now when you get to three years, that's when you, I start to have a little bit more concern with someone like Kevin Love in that area. But, Obviously, he still is a a really, really good uh, player, a very good player who can put up great fantasy numbers, and we'd expect a lot of what he did this season to improve. And if you even look at his shooting splits, his numbers were just way off. Third percentile in finishing at the rim, that's horrible. His mid-range shots, 16th percentile in terms of hitting mid-rangers, really horrible as well. You know, the threes were okay, but the fact that he couldn't hit any mid ranges he couldn't finish around the rim, either leads to the fact that he's getting old and can't do it again, or it was just a weird off year in his 600 minutes, and he will improve. And I, I tend to think that he will be able to improve that as he, uh, as he moves forward, and those assists I think will also start to come up again as we saw this season they did start to improve. Number, the third ranked player on this team is Geordie Clarkson, 143rd overall. He did 27 minutes and nine. He scored 17 points, almost the highest scorer on this team behind Kevin Love. Almost two threes, but in true Jordan Clarkson style, he does nothing else. Three rebounds, two and a half assists, 0.7 steals, 45 and 84. The 84% from the line is okay, but it's nothing spectacular. He was a, a negative 0.85 PIPM. Uh, on court, he was a plus 3.7. So I, I would, I've been a notorious I was a Jordan Clarkson supporter when he was a second round pick with the Lakers and I liked what he did. I pushed back on him after that saying, you don't get sucked in on this guy. And then I've been a notorious Jordan Clarkson hater ever since because people have overrated him. And that's everything that in general that you talk about is relative. Because if someone's telling me Jordan Clarkson's a 200 ranked player, I'm going to tell him they're stupid and he's underrated. If someone's telling me he's a top 60 player, I'm going to tell him he's stupid and they're stupid and he's overrated. So it's all really relative about where you view that player. And I think Clarkson uh, was underrated early in his career and has been overrated now. But to be fair to him, this was by far, I think, his best season in the last four or five. Settled into that role, was a lot more efficient despite shooting just 32% from three than he's been in the past. And was a positive factor for the Cavs the majority of the time. They're really providing that stable uh, stable uh, role off the bench and, and working into that role. Still not a, a long-term guy that we look at as a uh, as a super yeah piece that they should be building around and with that expiring contract coming up who knows where he ends up i don't think he's going to be a standard league type of a guy he's a points streamer sort of a player who uh, at the age of uh, 27 he's almost 27 um he's maybe got one or two more years left as a fringe 12 team league guy i don't have massive hopes for him as we move forward Speaking of massive hopes moving forward, Tristan Thompson, 151st this year. 28 minutes a game, 11 and 10. No defensive numbers. Under half a block in 28 minutes is piss poor for a center. 0.6 steals is bad. 53% not great when you're not taking any jumpers. 64% from the line, a problem. He was an elite rebounding option who was played way too many minutes this season. I don't think that's going to be the case moving forward for Thompson. I think this might be the the best season of the remainder of his NBA career. He was a negative PIPM guy. He he was a contributor at times this season. There's no getting around that fact. And he provided some defensive ability. He is still a pretty good defensive player but I think there are superior options on this team like Nance in terms of guarding perimeter uh, with with opposition centers, but Thompson is a bigger body. He is the best rebounder on this team, non-Kevin Love division, uh, a big strong body out there, but I don't think he should be playing 28 minutes a night as he moves forward, and I don't think he will. So the 151st rank he had this year, I don't really imagine that sticking. He could very easily be traded on. They could decide to stretch him. They could do a number of things, but I think that this season from Thompson is probably the best year that he gets, and he, to me, is very very clearly out of standard league consideration. Chetty Osman, 164th this year. Really, really disappointing from Chetty for the majority of this season. He played 32 minutes a night. He had a large role and the Cavs are invested in him. 13 points, 4.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists with 0.8 steals. He was as up and down as almost anybody in terms of shooting. Started off horribly, slowly with his shooting stuff. Improved a bit as the season went on, but 43 and 78 for a true shooting of 54 isn't good enough. And he posted some horrible advance numbers. Negative 3.47, that's a negative 1.51 wins added. So, again, a player. It's really hard to find players who are taking wins away. Osman was one of those guys A uh, 5.8 on off. That's really, really poor as well. Um, one thing that I thought he was good at was improving his ability to uh, distribute the ball, to handle the ball. That was impressive. And he looked okay in that role. The shooting was just a real problem. Really struggled in any sort of shooting. Yeah, below average in almost every sort of shooting split you can find apart from long twos, which never feels like it's a sustainable model to be able to keep up. Struggled with finishing at the rim. Uh, struggled. Uh, His threes were below average the majority of the time. Couldn't hit corner threes, just 30 of 89 on those over the course of the season. It really wasn't great for Osmond. I thought that he could be perhaps a top 100 player this year. Didn't get into that. He was a guy that I really liked as a late round pick. And I was right on one thing. His minutes would really, really skyrocket. And they did. He played 32 minutes a night and was playing 34 minutes a night for stretches of the season but the shot just wouldn't fall after showing some real efficiency last season and being quite efficient through Summer League and European play. Uh, But that wasn't able to carry over. The assists weren't as high as I thought they would be. This team really struggled to create assists really from anybody. Uh, Some of that's the personnel, some of that's the coaching, some of that's the fact that the personnel that they were passing the ball to couldn't hit the shots. But Osman, yeah, ended up, Probably, no, definitely ended up disappointing this year. He is 24 years of age, so there is still some room for growth for Osman. Will he ever be a top 100 guy? I have my doubts about that because I want to look at what he did here and go, where's the room for improvement? The 18% usage, maybe that spikes, but he's never going to be a 25% usage guy. Maybe he gets to 21 and he averages 15, 5, and 3 with a steal on 55, 45% shooting. Maybe that's where he tops out at. Um, again, with very little for this team to improve on free agent, Wise, It's all going to come down to what they do with that draft pick. And if that draft pick is in a similar position to Osman, well, that, that'll be the only thing that stops him from getting these minutes next season. He still could be a worthwhile late round flyer type of a guy. Next guy we talk about is the Padawan, Colin Sexton, who was the 181st ranked player over the course of the season. Played all 82 games. He's 20 years of age, 32 minutes a night, averaged 16 and a half points. But after that, it's a little bleak. One and a half threes, not really good enough. 2.9 rebounds, bad. Three assists, horrible as a point guard. 0.5 steals, atrocious. 0.1 blocks, piss poor. 43% from the field, positive. You know, that's a really good start as a rookie point guard. 84% from the line on three attempts, excellent. 40% from three, don't know how it happened, but it did happen. So yeah, really, really good for him to be able to do that a lot of it is that his non-corner threes he was shooting at 42% and his corner threes he was shooting at 30% so you're missing the easier shots and hitting the harder ones that's some that, that, that is a level of concern but again when you look at his overall performance he struggled at the rim just 18th percentile at the rim so there is room for improvement there or maybe he's just not good but he didn't do it on the back of ex- really high mid-range shooting his long twos he was at only 39% 41st percentile that's not a a number that massively stands out. But the big concern here, and we talked about this in yesterday's show, the assist to usage metric on cleaning the glass. We talked about Kevin Knox and Alonzo Trier being fifth percentile and sixth percentile respectively. Colin Sexton in that number is first percentile, meaning he is literally the worst player at the point guard position in terms of usage versus assist. He does not set his teammates up. He does not run an offense. He cannot get them involved. He can score and he took the game on his back at the end of the season. And he, look, he averaged 20 points a game and was scoring 20 points a game for a big stretch of time. Over the last 20 games, he played 36 minutes a night and averaged 22 points and still topped out as the 85th ranked player because he did nothing else. And that came on the back of 42% three-point shooting, 49% shooting overall, a 25% usage in 36 minutes. Numbers, which I feel like won't sustain at those levels and will drop him back. Now, he's going to be a pretty popular late round pick, but to me, he's a better Jordan Clarkson especially with that statistical profile, no assist, rebound, steals, blocks, low threes, and if the shooting does dip at all, then his value is going to completely disappear. So he is absolutely someone to watch. I would be if I'm in a dynasty league, I would be really really active in trying to trade him away because I think that this is a time where you can get the most value out of him because people will overrate him. I put out things about Rookie of the Year and people literally came back, oh, you got to consider Colin Sexton. No, you don't. You don't have to consider Colin Sexton and I would implore you not to because he was never in the Rookie of the Year conversation. He shouldn't be even anywhere close to it. He was bad for the majority of this season. PIPM, almost as bad as... um. Almost as bad as the Fort Kevin Knox. Not quite at that terrible level, but still a negative in wins added. A massive negative in PIPM, negative... Uh, uh, negative 4.53 PIPM, negative 3.3 wins added, and negative 5.1 on off. Really destructive stuff on the court and historically bad. And if it wasn't for Knox, he would be one of the worst rookies ever in terms of on-court impact. A PER of 12, a true shooting of 52%, despite being a solid two-point shooter and those threes being good, he still wasn't able to get his true shooting up at that level. So I am still down on Colin Sexton, despite that strong end to the season, and I think that he does have a chance to be a top 100, 110 player next season, but I reckon he's going to get overdrafted and overvalued in many, many spots. The Muppet, John Henson, we didn't really see much of him this year. 14 games, 14 minutes, all as a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. He's 28 years of age. You could see him coming back on this team and moving into a role, but there is Zizic, there is Thompson, there is Nance, there is Love. Where is he going to fit amongst that mix? There's Marquise Chris, God forbid. I don't know if they're going to look to bring him back. I absolutely would not because he is literally one of the worst players in the NBA uh, and is uh, an unrestricted free agent because his rookie option wasn't picked up uh they don't have to worry about uh, that the cap holder four million dollars they're going to be able to sign him for under that if they choose to I, I don't think Henson's going to push back into that large role he had with the Milwaukee Bucks his block rate was still pretty strong zero point eight in fourteen minutes but field goal percentage at forty six um I don't see a massive future here in Henson and, and I do worry about where he's going to fit as we move forward. Ante Žižić got an extended role this season, 22 years of age, he played 18 minutes a night. I thought he showed some flashes this year. Uh, a negative 0.32 uh, PIPM is okay. A really good plus 4 as on off. You have to like that sort of a number from Žižić. But he still had his struggles. Um, he struggles in moving the ball when he gets it. He's, he's not a uh, not an aware passer. His efficiency wasn't ideal for a big man, you know, sort of in the in the average levels there. Defensively, you know, steal rate, 7th percentile. Block rate, 30th percentile for big men. That's really not going to cut it. And that's what's going to hold him back from a fantasy point of view. 8 and 5, he averaged with 0.4 blocks in 18 minutes. 56 and 71. A lot of it's going to come down to what happens with Henson, what happens with Thompson. But I can see Zizic moving in to the backup center role in this team behind Love and Nansen, playing those 18 to 19 minutes again. But at the 287th ranked player, can he ever push into the top 100? I had some decent hopes for Zizic coming across from Europe. He hasn't really been able to step up from that, and I don't really see him pushing into a 26 minute a night role. If he did, he would be like a borderline top 150 sort of a player. But there were some flashes from Zizic, but not enough to get overly excited about it. The next player is the plumber, J.R. Smith. 11 games, 20 minutes, 7 points, 1-3. Horrible shooting. Uh, He's going to be 34 years of age in about 4 or 5 months' time. Um, Does he have a future in the NBA at all? As I said, he's still under contract, but they are going to waive him. Almost definitely to save themselves those $9 million, considering only $4 million of his deal is guaranteed for this season. What team picks him up uh, and how do they use him? Does he fit into a Jamal Crawford sort of a role? Maybe, but he's a guy that's always been a limited fantasy impact player anyway, Smith, and it's not going to get any better from here. So very little for us to talk about with him. Let's move on to David Nwaba and advanced stats, darling. A plus 0.3 PIPM, 1.75 wins added, which was actually fourth on the team. It went Nance. Clarkson Love in wins at it. And then Nwaba next really does a lot of stuff defensively. A plus 5.5, one of the best plus minuses on the team from the rotation guys. Second behind Kevin Love on this squad. But for fantasy, he doesn't really do it. Six and a half points, three rebounds, one assist, 0.7 steals, 48 and 68. So yeah, poor shooting numbers from Nwaba. Um, Hit his threes at 32%, takes no volume, doesn't score, low usage, plays good defense, but doesn't generate defensive stats. And they're the sort of players that really don't provide that value fantasy-wise. Almost like a Michael Kidd Gilchrist type of a player who was always a strong on-court defensive guy, but offered nothing statistically. And that's the sort of player Nawaba is. He's older than you might anticipate as well. He's already turned 26 as a restricted free agent. The Cavs should be looking to bring him back. He played at the 2, the 3, the 4. He was able to fill in and and fill his role admirably, but it's the 293rd ranked player this year in 19 minutes. I don't ever think that he's pushing into the top 160 or 170. Maybe things happen and trades go down and Osmond gets hurt and he moves into a starting role there on this squad, but even then, he would be just a deeper league sort of guy with pretty limited upside. The next two guys, Matty Della and Brandon Knight. Knight started for this team at the two for the majority of this season. That could very easily change depending on what happens in the draft. But I wouldn't say that Brandon Knight covered himself in glory during that time in Cleveland. He had a few decent moments, but nothing spectacular. A negative 1.6 PIPM and negative 3.2 on off, which is not ideal. It doesn't help when you're playing alongside Colin Sexton, who will not pass it to anybody. So there is concerns there. But Even in that time that he was starting, the last 20 games, 25 minutes a night, nine points on 40% shooting with two assists and 0.8 steals. It's not enough to get it done. I don't think we're ever getting back to that. And his his ranking history is wild. 12-13 season, 146th. Then 72, 32nd, 43rd, 258th then Mr. The season, and then 355th. That is as large a drop-off as you will see almost anywhere. Uh, his usage has scaled right back down. In those peak seasons, he was at 25, 27 usage guy. He was at under 18% this year. Uh, the assist rate has dropped way off. His steal rate has dropped way off. His efficiency, which was bad to begin with, has dropped way off as well. And I really worry about what's happening with Brandon Knight in the future. Now, he's only 27, so he could recover and find a second wind as a backup point guard, but he's never going to be too much of an impactful fantasy guy. But on this team, as a backup point guard, Clarkson is not a point guard really at all. Dallavidova, all these guys though, Knight, Clarkson, and Dallavidova, they all expire after next season. So they're all around there at the same time. Knight to me is the pick of that bunch as a backup point guard, but they're starting him at shooting guard. There is a chance for him to be better next season. I think he'll probably will crack the top... 250 would be my guess depending on how this roster shakes out but his future is definitely a, a little bit uh, clouded. Vidova, it seems like he's almost on his way out of the league. He had some moments in Cleveland significantly better than what he was like uh, as a member of the Milwaukee Bucks but still not uh, not putting up the the greatest of numbers uh, during the during the course of the season um has his, you know, his moments they're not they're not fantastic sort of a, a neutral pipm sort of a guy a plus 5 in his minutes with cleveland so that's i guess impressive there but nothing massively stands out about Delavadova when when we look for now his uh his shooting was impressive 63% of the rim 55% on his long twos numbers which you feel aren't going to be able to stick. So a, a bit of a drop-off could be coming from Dalla Vidova, despite some of those really strong shooting numbers. And in the back end of this roster, Jerome Blossom game, Marquise Chris, Channing Frye, Dal Sauce Castillo, Nick Stauskas. Now, yeah, Stauskas was serviceable for this team without being interesting. And when I say not being interesting, because he wasn't interesting at all. Um, Very little to get excited about. You know my thoughts on Chris. He just is absolutely a horrible NBA basketball player who struggles to do even the basics of the game. I thought Blossom game had a couple of decent moments, but nothing to write home about there. With him, we had Jalen Jones at times playing. Dengadel didn't really get me interested. Um, Really, the the back end of this roster, there's very little to get interested about or, or excited about as this team moves forward. I don't imagine that Chris will be back. I don't imagine that Stauskas will be back, both of those guys, unrestricted free agents on this squad, just to create a little bit more flexibility to bring other guys in. So I think Chris is gone. I think Fry is gone. Uh, I think Stauskas is gone. I think Smith is gone. And I think they bring Nwaba back out of those guys that they've got decisions to make on. And then they'd be looking to try and swing some trades with some of these other players. And of course, Everything could change up if we get uh, Zion Williamson coming in or even Ja Morant. It'd be interesting to see what they did. If they had this, the number two pick, do they go with R.J. Barrett or they take Ja Morant, considering Sexton's there? They seem to believe in him, and I would not be believing in Colin Sexton as a long-term option. That'll do it for looking at the Cleveland Cavaliers 2018-19 season. Make sure you are subscribe to this podcast on the Himalaya podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on Spotify, and follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble, on YouTube. Subscribe, give it a thumbs up leave a comment. You know the drill, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Junior.